0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: Good morning everybody and welcome again to uh, Keep Left. Uh, This week Chris is uh, working so he won't be here but I'm sure he will be here next week. Uh, we've got Annie doing the panelling today.
0: Good morning, everybody.
1: Morning, Annie. And uh, I've also got a couple of guests who have come in very kindly, and they're going to be speaking about Palestine. Um, Rob Martin. Morning, Rob. Good morning. And Shane McCartan. Good, good morning. Uh, I, I've not gone back a few years. Uh, first of all, Shane, um, can you tell me how and why you got started in campaigning for Palestine?
2: Uh, John, my interest in Palestine really started, I, I guess, at the end of the year two thousand when um, the so-called Second Intifada started. I, I like to call—I don't like calling it the Second Intifada because to me it, that takes the focus off Israel. And I think that when Ariel Sharon visited um, the Al Haram Al Sharif or Temple Mount, as the Jews call it, in East Jerusalem in late September two thousand. I think that there was a planned um, – uh, I, th- I think the Israeli leaders, Barack and um, Sharon – Sharon later became Prime Minister – I think that they had decided to renew their – or intensify their war on the Palestinians um, after the Camp David uh, talks in July 2000 in the US. And the Palestinians were more reacting to um, to Israeli violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was just so obvious that the, the press the, – the mainstream press were always blamed, constantly blaming the Palestinians um, for the violence that, that erupted in late to, late 2000. So you have but,
1: to look at who's being offensive and who's being defensive here. Well, I, I think
2: clearly the Israelis were being offensive. Uh, the the, the Palestinians, Palestinians were basically defending themselves mm. um, against the, an Israeli onslaught and it was just I felt the need to, to do something. I started to become active. Um,
0: so, what time would that be in, in his, historical
2: terms? Late two thousand, like an early two thousand and one. That, that's when the so called second second intifada mm. erupted. But like I said, I don't really like to call it. Who the second, who
0: called it the intifada? Um, the just media. the
2: just the press. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there had been a previous like intifada in, I think the nineteen it's late eighties or it's early nineties. Really calling
0: to arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, but, but there had been a previous Intifada which was, like, more peaceful um, 10 or 15 years before that. Um, and, like, the Israelis, the soldiers, they'd break uh, Palestinians' arms and break their legs and stuff like that. But the Palestinians weren't um, – there they was more peaceful resistance then. But I, I think that the Israelis really wanted to – Push the Palestinians. In the, mm. in the year two thousand, two thousand and one, I think the Israelis were deliberately pushing these, pushing the Palestinians to, to breaking point.
1: And, yeah, um, and so, so to, to show that they are the ones who are actually causing all the trouble, because that's what goes down in the West. That's right. Yeah, 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 make, make
2: it look like the Palestinians yeah. you know, don't want peace; they want war. Mm. They're tr- still trying to drive the Israelis into the sea etc. Yeah, Uh, but you, I mean, you personally, because I I know you, I mean, going back about 10 years ago, I can remember
1: going to uh, some Palestinian uh, rallies with you, and, um, you know, your dedication is incredible. Can I just ask you, do you ever get disheartened?
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, sometimes, like, especially when, um, like, the last three large Israeli attacks on, on Gaza, it's very disheartening to see the, you know, the suffering of the Palestinians, um, not just in Gaza, in, in East Jerusalem and the West Bank, um, but you just have to keep going. Uh, you know, mm. the, Palestinians, the Palestinians are doing a lot tougher than we are over here. Mm. So, um, and with the the BDS campaign, the boycott, divest, yep. divestment and sanctions campaign against Israel, that's been um, that's growing in, in in its effectiveness. How, how long has it been that, going on for
1: now, and do you think it's it's having an effect?
2: The boycott campaign, BDS, that that, that started in about 2005 when uh, mm. Palestinian um, civil society organisations um, decided to commence this campaign, boycott, divest and sanctions. Um, and it is growing. It's definitely growing. There have been some recent successes. The um, French com- the French telecommunications company Orange, they've divested from their Israeli partner recently. Uh, it's an Irish building firm, CRH. They've divested from a 25% share in the Israeli uh, cement market. The United Methodist Church in the US... Is um, getting rid of its twenty billion. It's getting. Rid, they've got a twenty billion dollar pension fund, but they're getting rid of. They must have had shares in five Israeli banks. They're getting rid of those shares. And money doesn't talk;
1: it swells, but it certainly has a very, very loud voice. So um, maybe this is how you know we can we can make a difference with this. I, I think.
2: I think possibly more on the um, perhaps the cultural side of things too, like the American um, Anthropo- Anthropological Association. At a recent conference they voted overwhelmingly to, um, to adopt a BDS motion mm. and they've got about 10,000 members I think but that motion's going to go to, they're going to put that motion to all of their members uh, maybe in the next couple of months I think it is but, but at their recent conference they overwhelmingly voted to adopt a, boy, a BDS motion, the American Anthropo- Anthropological Association. Now
0: you can always tell uh, how successful something is by the pushback and there has been pushback hasn't there?
2: Oh, definitely, definitely. The, um, the Israelis are putting a lot of effort into trying to fight the uh, the boycott campaign because it's it's a totally it's it's which is going to be very very hard for them to fight because it, the boycott campaign really is about um, forgetting about Western governments who refuse to do anything who, who refuse to hold Israel to account. The boycott campaign take, is taking power back to the people. You know, people in like Scotland, for example, in Europe, it's a lot, there's a lot of activity in Europe. More more activity in the US now. Um Australia, we're, we're, we're trying out here, but... Um, but it, was, it will happen. <laughs> it will happen. After, you
1: know, Europe happen. and America. Can I just bring you in here, Rob? Um, now, you went to Palestine last year. Yeah, correct. And, I
3: went last year.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I saw a couple of your uh, videos that you've, you've put up on YouTube. You can maybe tell people about that. But can you just generally tell me, you know, how it went, how you found things?
3: Well, first of all, I decided to go because I couldn't find any answers here. You look at the media and you talk to people and it's very, very one-sided, very biased, uh, including politicians and it doesn't seem that a lot of people actually dig deep to see what's happening. So I decided to venture on over and I went with APAN, which is a, a great organisation that people should join. Um, what I does APAN stand for? Australian, Advo- Australian Palestine Advocacy Network and mm. people can join, it's a, it's a great way to keep updated with, uh, with newsletters and, and uh, showing you support rather than doing nothing. So, so I went over there and uh, I was absolutely shocked with what I saw, the blatant disregard for, for Palestinian life, uh, the blatant apartheid. You can see, you don't have to look for it. Uh, it, sta- it sort of just jumps out in front of your face. It's, it's horrific. Um, and look, I'd read a fair bit about it and I'd spoken to some people prior to going, but I couldn't believe it when I, when I saw it. And I think that, you know, you find well, that... So my-
0: give us an example. Of what it was? Uh, Was The the
3: checkpoints having to go through. Um, I mean, the sign that you go in when you go into the West Bank, you know, there's a sign saying it's against Israeli law for a Jewish person to go through there. uh, Um, And that's a a very, very big scare tactic. And I can imagine going home to my own suburb and seeing a huge sign saying that, you know, this is will risk your life if you come in here. uh, I mean, that's demonising completely, and it's another form of their propaganda. Um, I mean, I went through there with some Jewish people, and we were fine. There's no problem. The
1: Jewish people from Australia... Uh, and yeah, and
3: also a canadian jew who was a reporter yeah. uh, we went through there and uh, we had coffee and we met and we hung out with a lot of palestinian people right. cuz uh, this is
0: this is an interesting uh, paradox isn't it because someone else i was talking to the other day said to me uh, i said uh, that you know it's very like you know what would happen if you're a jewish person who's not a zionist and they said oh but aren't all jews zionists no. and i thought what what you actually think that's the case so quite clearly there even in this situation there are jewish people who do not support this
3: oh there's there's many 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 of them um, there's there's plenty of of great jews i mean i mean i wish there was more that were talking about you know stopping what israel actually does the problem is that israel says you know to the world that we represent all jews and then i suppose that the normal media accepts that mm-hmm. uh, and that's not the case absolutely not the case um that anti-Semite. would be
0: complicating things, wouldn't it? You well, have look, it's to very two simple. Two sides of his coin,
3: it, and it's a very simple story. It's not a complicated or convoluted one. It's the simple fact that Israel's stealing land from the Palestinians, and they're crying self defence. There's no, no self defence about it. I mean, and it's I, horrific.
1: And I like the point you made about the Israeli defence force. Or I could probably say this about any of the so-called. Defense I, I find forces. that offensive the way they call yeah. it that. Well, I think, I think yeah. it is when it comes to any defence force. I mean, they're offensive. If we have a look at what happened in twenty fourteen, uh, just just speak us through that. You know, the um, the, the mowing of the lawn. Well, well, that's a common practice. I mean, mm. it's a common practice that uh, that Israel like to do. Uh,
3: it's a part of their intimidation, and, and I suppose pressurising the pressure cooker and so they go in there and they're more than happy to kill people and they say that's their self-defence killing 500 children i don't see how any humane person or even you know even a psychopath would have to agree that that's not right Um, and it's plain and simple all we ever hear about in the media is that the palestinians are are terrorists Mm. Um, and to me that uh, it takes a lot more courage for somebody to put a, a vest on than Get in their Apache helicopter by America and kill five hundred people. Can we
0: go back to your visit and uh, you, absolutely? G- you go through that gate.
3: So, I, so I went through. Um, I went with two different itineraries to make sure that I could get in. One was a very pro-Israel one, and so they, you know, the red carpet came down and said, "Come through." I ventured off into a town called Berlin. Um, it's pretty well known for uh, five broken cameras, and so I stayed there for four or five days, hmm. and was, I suppose. Absolutely surprised at how welcoming everybody was. They were just lovely, lovely people. But what did hurt me was the fact that we saw that the Israeli army come through um, and the way that they brutalised these poor people. They were taking uh, children's play equipment from the only playground in Berlin. Why were they doing that? There's only one reason, and it's simple, and it's to, I suppose, intimidate the Palestinians to say that we're the leader, also to get a reaction. Because no. what they want them to do is they want them to fight back Absolutely. Mm. They want them to fight back so they can start shooting them again. They want them to be submissive. Mm. And the problem is they're not going to be. Well you know. Israel want the Stockholm Syndrome to, to connect themselves. It goes to back
1: to nineteen forty, yeah. It's not something that's going to go away anytime soon. Um, at present Israel has the right wing Likud government, uh, Netanyahu is uh, in power and he's pretty pretty nasty, I think most of us would agree. Do you think the situation for Palestinians would change – whoever can answer this – do you think the situation for Palestinians would change if the Labor Party was in power in Israel?
2: I don't don't think it would change. I I don't think there's any real difference between Labor and Likud and most of the Israeli parties. um, Their goal is the – 1948, 1947, 1948 was all about the ethnic cleansing of Palestine. They they expelled more than 700,000 Palestinians, um, either through terrorism or at, at, directly at the point of a gun. Um, both Labour and Likud. That's still the main game. That they that they're still the, their main interest is to take more Palestinian land um, and to, basically to complete the um, the ethnic cleansing that was started in 1947, probably even before 1947. ethnic cleansing started Um, and Labor and Likud there would be no difference I I don't think there would be any difference between the two
3: well a lot of people actually say that Benjamin Netanyahu is actually uh, the softer one really compared to a lot of them in there Um, and he's uh, he's blatant about what he thinks um, but there's there's no way in the world that it would really make much of a difference they're all as bad as each other
0: but if you go back to the historical context uh, after the second world war you could see why uh, a, gr- a whole group of people would uh, be fighting tooth and nail t- in order to get a, what they call a homeland, which is what Israel is described as. Uh, but, of course, they've displaced a whole other existing uh, group of people there, and it was done with the complicity of uh, other powers. Because the world? The world. The great powers of <laughs> yeah, the, the world. world. Yeah. Um, someone used this great t- uh, term the other day called uh, the strategy of tension the strategy of tension, I'm assuming that uh, for Israelis, the uh, uh, idea of defending their safety becomes a, a huge uh, tool in um, their public policy.
3: Well, it's part of their indoctrination as well, mm. to the children. I mean, in the education system that they have there, they start to teach that, uh, that the Arabs are wanting to take their land and that the they're not nice people, and it starts at a very, very early age, all oh. the way up until they, when they get into the IDF.
1: But it's uh, it, it, they couldn't do this if it wasn't for the backing of one major power, and of course that's the United States. Now we know how much, I think most people know how much is pumped into Israel every year by the United States. That's the American taxpayers. Uh, and there's billions, it's in the billions, if not tens of billions. This year there's going to be a US presidential election. What do you think about, is if, if there going to be any difference there between the Republicans and the Democrats? And we don't actually know who the candidates are going to be. What do you think about that? How's that going to affect Israel?
2: I, I can't see any real change there. Um, the, the the Bernie Sanders, I don't know much about him, but he's apparently some sort of so-called left-wing Democrat Candidate. His Jewish
1: background, he's, he's, Jewish background he's background. older yeah. than Ronald Reagan was when Ronald Reagan right. became the oldest president, but he he seems a pretty capable guy. Yeah.
2: but it, um, It's hard to very imagine.
1: Left-wing, uh, yeah. left-wing, in American terms, sorry, very left-wing.
2: Yeah, it's hard to imagine anything. <clears throat> any, I can't see anything um, changing in the U, in the U.S. that they'll keep supporting Israel. Um, and um, well, it,
3: Every president in the past has said that uh, your uh, the settlements have got to stop. Every single one of them They said, say it, you know… 100%, but, but what happens… Yeah. They never do anything. Yeah. They about don't do it. anything. Mm. And so, oh. what sort of control does any of the Americans? I mean, Obama did say very, very early on that he wanted a Palestinian state, mm. and nothing's happened. Absolutely nothing. He what gives you, more money.
1: What do you think about that? We hear about the one state, two state, and all this sort of stuff. What do you think about this?
2: I, the two state solution is dead. It's, it's well and truly dead, and the Israelis have, have buried it—you know, deeper than six feet. Um, They've expanded their settlements in East Jerusalem and the West Bank so much. In the last 10, years, last 10, 15 years, the settler numbers in East Jerusalem, Jerusalem and the West Bank would have more than doubled. There's more than, I think, about 500,000 settlers now, at least, including East Jerusalem and the West Bank. Israel is making it impossible to, to withdraw those settlers. And um, the only solution now really is a, is a one-state solution where, where the Palestinians get equal rights, if everyone living from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea has equal rights, the, the right to vote. Um, no, no one's a second-class citizen. Mm. Uh, everyone's got the same human rights. You know, Today, Palestinians in the West Bank have got zero human rights. Palestinians in Gaza, they're even worse off. They've been un- under siege for nearly you know, eight, eight to nine years now. So you uh, consider
1: that this is similar somewhere to South Africa back in the apartheid days? 100%.
3: Absolutely, and it's funny that America was uh, one of the last ones to step in and say, hey, this is not right in South Africa. Mm. You know, they were the one of the last. And Well, uh,
1: Reagan and Thatcher did business with the South Africans there. Uh, 100%. As long but, as they could. Yeah, but I, I think the big difference we've got
3: today is that social media um, and civilian journalists might help because in the South African time, we didn't have all of this technology.
2: Mm. And,
3: uh, you know, I call it the leaks, that there are leaks coming out from, from Israel and Palestine of exactly what's happening. So I think uh, the only thing that can happen is that, they need to be made a prior state. Mm.
0: The thing that, uh, yeah, well, it, yeah. The only one. Uh, the really interesting thing about it is that this inexorable move towards uh, taking over land that will ultimately become pleasure resorts along a... Or just a, a park. Coastline. Or just yeah. a park. Yeah, unbelievable stuff. And, and they don't really see
3: anything down. wrong with that, though. I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing. I mean, we'll, we've got Australia Day coming up. Uh, you know, it's like the Nakba, right? Invasion. Over
0: the, invasion day. Well,
3: I mean, that's, yeah, a lot of, that's what people are saying. And, um, you know, over in uh, in Israel, you're not allowed to talk about the Nakba. It's not allowed to be in the education the system. The
1: Nakba, for people that don't know, is the, is the 1948, it's the, it's the Palestinian... The catastrophe. ...world for, yeah, the catastrophe. Okay, would you like to speak about that, Sean? The The Nakba. Yeah, um, any QBA <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, there's a great book if, if anyone a lot, a lot of listeners some listeners might have read this book but if anyone does want to read about uh, what happened in 1948 there's a book by an Israeli author Ilan Pape that's P-A-P-P-A, called yes. just called The Ethnic Cleansing of Palestine fantastic it, it, book it's it, good details, story, it, it gives a lot of detail on what happened in 1948 but mm. there was a concerted plan by the Israelis to expel as, to take as much land as they could and to expel as many Palestinians as they could because they wanted the 1946, 47. The Palestinians were still in a majority. Um, if you looked at the population from Jordan River to uh, to the Mediterranean, uh, yeah. but the, the Israelis were desperate to get the Palestinians down to a minority in the land that the Israelis took over, and uh, that's still the that's still the main game for Israel today. They haven't finished the ethnic cleansing of, of 1948.
3: They haven't stuck to any international laws since day one. I mean, even the Balfour. Agreements said the, that the indigenous people uh, weren't supposed to be affected.
1: How many United Nations resolutions have there been against Israel? Many, many, many. And they've pretty much been all ignored.
0: But also, they might even consider in a funny kind of way that because they've been so maligned over historical times, that uh, they're above or not even mm. a separate from the laws that are supposedly being put, they may actually uh, Zionist opinion might be Zionist. Yeah. Zionist opinion might be that uh, get stuffed. I mean, you guys go for us. We 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 are the chosen. Mm. There but, is. I an mean, incru- there, there is a. Uh, a uh, a logic involved here.
1: There is an incredible (laughs) arrogance, too, uh, you often find. Now, bringing it back to this country, what do you think? I think I might know the answer, but (laughs) we'll go through it anyway. But what do you think about past and present, not just the present, but also the recent uh, Australian government's policies regarding Israel and Palestine? Blinded in one eye. Uh, (coughs) the, The biggest thing that I...
3: Another takeout that I had while I was over there, I saw... You know, the, uh, the buses loaded with were either politicians or quite wealthy people coming over to see Israel. And so what they do is they drive through on their big buses and air-conditioned buses. They wouldn't stop anywhere. I remember standing up um, and asking them all to come out and, and talk to people. And they were, it looked like they were too scared to get out of the bus. <laughs> and well. and I put up a proposal to all of our politicians uh, late last year to mm. say that at my own cost, I'll take you over there and you can come and see what I've seen as, as long as it, we uh, reported back in an unbiased manner, but the truth, and also all mainstream media. Um, And I had uh, Danby uh, block me on Facebook. Michael
1: Danby, yeah? He blocked me
3: on Facebook. Absolutely. And look, I said to the few of them, we'll go over there and uncensored. The Mm. only way that they can actually see what's going on is to be uncensored. Mm. Um, And you know they get all of these first-class tickets paid for to go and see the Israel-Palestine so-called conflict, but they only see one side. Mm. And that is disgusting. Our taxpayers are paying for that. It's blatant. I mean and,
1: and it's not just one side of Australian politics. I mean, you go back, you, you look at uh, Julia Gillard, who was probably left of centre uh, in, in Australian parliamentary political terms. And yeah, I think she was taking a cue from Bob Hawke, but she was very, very
2: pro-Israel. She was heavily pro-Israel. Yeah. But at, at the same... T- when she was... Um, Deputy Opp- Opposition Leader no, no. When she was deputy prime minister under Kevin Rudd, her partner was um, was was working for a, um, a a local Melbourne developer who yep. had also this this developer had also started up an Israel Australia Israel Leadership Forum, I think. And hmm. uh, what's his name, Albert Daddon? And he he was like becoming a um, a, a very prominent uh, Zionist uh, Australian and. Um, Gillard, so there was a connection there between Gillard's partner and um, and Albert Dadon. Uh, but Gillard was heavily, heavily pro-Israel. Uh, but there was a resolution when she was Prime Minister a c- couple of years ago. There was a resolution. Um, I th- it might have been the resolu- UN resolution um, proposing that Palestine be recognised as a state. Mm-hmm. And I think Gillard apparently wanted to vote no to the resolution along with Israel, America, Marshall, Car- Marshall Islands. But Bob Carr, yeah. Bob mm-hmm. Carr must have, seems like Bob Carr pressured put pressure on, and um, Australia, I think we abstained on that particular resolution, but, yeah. but Gillard was heavily pro-Israel. I think Shorten's he's pro-Israel. Most Labor and Liberal leaders it's are pro-Israel. a sponsorship.
3: It's mm. a fantastic sponsorship. That's but there's
0: doing. also a whole a whole other range of things. You know, you talk about the BDS. Uh, uh, we did some interviews uh, around how um, the uh militarisation of uh the police across the world is part of an ongoing neoliberal strategy which you know sort of goes back to the Roman Empire I suppose. Uh but uh Israel is a uh exporter of uh weapons. Weapons as tested well tested weapons. A, but not just tested weapons which they've tested on In Gaza. It's yeah, been a great testing field. That's right. And they don't have to pay any um <laughs> any uh what is that that you know uh professional development uh, thing but uh that, that's where they've tested this stuff but also uh the the methodologies that they use so places like um, uh, new york will send their police department over to israel to be trained in these tactics for example
2: i think the the african-american community um they're more and more aware of um like with all of the police shooting deaths in the US of um, African Americans, the African American activists, uh, are, they're becoming more and more aware of that israeli American connection with policing and security.
0: Um, and so, and so they don't call it uh, they look, don't call it um, a, a selling war. It's called protection. It's the protection industry. Self defence. I mean, yeah, it's, it's great a great word. protection yeah. industry p- now.
3: Part of the whole uh, occupation. It, it it is a uh, it's a business.
0: Yeah, and that's what I was getting at 100%, very Jeff, stumblingly. There. Yeah, well, Jeff
3: Halper's just done a really, really good book uh, in relation to that and it shows how so many of the, uh, the huge countries are making money out of it.
0: That's I mean, right.
3: They've got a great testing area in Gaza and they've done it before. Uh, before the Gaza strike, the last one, they went in a month before um, and to start doing those tests and that's how they do it. And the fact that they can actually put tested weapons and we buy it I mean, that's pretty offensive. But it's uh, a
0: normalisation of uh, political and economic interests. That's what these people uh, at this level will see as being quite normal. And, of course, they protect themselves by sitting in an air-conditioned bus.
3: Yeah,
1: because yeah, they know the reality of what's going on, and so they are frightened, and they should be frightened.
3: Well, they, they, just going back on it, they shouldn't be frightened when if they get out of a bus in Palestine, yeah, they should not be frightened. And part of the whole world and the propaganda of Israel has been dehumanizing the Palestinians.
0: Yes, in fact, we need to
3: humanize them. And I, I find, and I'll I just give a quick story. I did a Christians for Israel tour while I was over there. Christians for Israel. So worldwide people go over there. Mm -hmm. I sat with the leader there and I said, I've just been staying in Berlin. And he looked at me and he was flabbergasted. He said, why would you do that? And I said, well, why wouldn't I? He said, it's so dangerous. I said, it is dangerous. It was really, really dangerous when the Israeli armed forces came in. (laughs) And I said, how can you sit there and justify the fact that you're encouraging Christians for Israel and you've never been on that side and you're Mm -hmm. demonizing these people?
0: And it's fascinating because if you watch SBS and uh, ABC News uh, and there's ever a report about that side, that conflict, I can predict what's, what the images are going to be before they actually do the report. Well, I've read the Every Hasbro time. Guide.
3: The Hasbro Guide is a guide that, uh, that they put out for all media outlets. Um, and I've read it. And it always says that you always put this self-defence, but you always need to use the word terrorist, yeah. Yeah. And the or language is important, and the exactly type of right. images, exactly and how right.
0: long they go for, and all the different sorts of things It's like I don't even know why they bother to pretend that they send anybody there to find out.
3: Well, most of the time they don't.
0: Ah, there most you of the go. pump boom, boom. Okay, got, got, what, what program go are we on?
1: Uh, keep left. Hey. Yeah. Okay. So, guys, uh, speaking about that, uh, can we? Can you maybe sort of just plug some uh, any upcoming protests, any events which are happening, which people might want to know about? Well, there's actually a political party starting, and I'm just bringing
3: it up. It's a Stop Israel Apartheid mm-hmm. in Australia. Um, if you can have a quick look on that on Facebook, it would be a great idea to join, mm-hmm. um, and also to get involved with APAN, which is a, a great Palestine advocacy service.
1: Is it still every Friday? I believe, which is today. Uh, that we have the protests uh, is, that, is that still well? Going there's, a, on? there's a protest in Berlin every Friday, no, and it's a but worldwide thing. Not I've seen it at Melbourne. No. People can get it to a bit easier.
2: Oh no! Myself and a couple of other activists, um, every now and then we go into the city at the G, outside the GPO, yeah. but um, might not happen today. It's raining a bit, but it's, it's like on a, on an irregular basis. Um, whereas yeah. a, a year or so ago, we were going in nearly every week yeah, um, I know you were, when, yeah. when Gaza was being pulverised.
1: And you know, incredible commitment to it. Now on 3CR on uh, Saturdays from half past nine until ten o'clock, there's a program called Palestine Remembered. I don't know. If, do you know that program? I
2: don't know that program. Yeah. No.
1: it follows on. Yusuf Boy? I'm not sure. Yusuf does. I bet you. I was on that show a little while. I live ago. in. Bri- yeah. Okay. So, so I listened briefly a while back, but I don't. You know. But it's a great show. Great show. <laughs> So Australian Asia, it follows the Australian Asia Worker Links program at 9 o'clock, and so that's on at half past nine.
0: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.